The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is an acclaimed producer, mastering engineer, author, and the creator of the Muse Formation YouTube channel, which is an educational resource for musicians and creative entrepreneurs. You can find out more about his work by visiting www.jessecannon.com and youtube.com slash museformation. We are happy to welcome our guest, Jesse Cannon, onto the Break the Business Podcast. Hi, Jesse. How's it going? It is going great. I had a time just reading about you and just all the fabulous things going on with your resume. And I have to say, among all the things that you've done, the thing that impressed me the most is just the list of bands that you've worked with, either as a producer, a mixer, mastering engineer. I have to know, all right, what is the mm-hmm. one project that you worked on that at the time just made you think the most, man, how did I get here? How did I ever get to work on this band's album? Uh, that was definitely the cure record I did is um, so Ross Robinson, who produced that record that I worked under on it, uh, was my favorite producer for years. And I get flown out to London and then like I'm in a room with him and Robert Smith and I'm going, uh, I just don't get how my life led to this. Uh, and then every day was a uh emotionally bending insane experience of going deep on our emotions and uncovering things while making a really really intense record uh where i cried almost every night so that was a hell of an experience (laughs) tell me you have one good robert smith story something that you feel comfortable being able to tell on a podcast but i mean he just seems like a really interesting dude to work with i mean i guess the really night what i always say about robert is I've worked with so many people who, when you meet them, you're like, ah, you know, like, yeah, they're exceptional. They're like more interesting than like the average person, but they're not that interesting. Robert is the smartest, funniest, nicest, most interesting, well-read, politically aware, unbelievably smart and aware person you will ever meet. Um, But also just super kind. And like, when we were finishing the record, he knew that like a lot of why I had to particularly move on to the next record is like, I wasn't in a great financial place. And, you know, I woke up on the next morning uh, and he had slid a very sizable amount of money under my door to just make things easier for me uh, after that, because he is the kindest person. And, you know, it's even the thing of Robert is the major creative force of that band. He splits the royalties evenly because he has no concern for money. And because, He's the most amazing person. Wow. I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that all the stuff that I hoped would be true about Robert Smith actually is true. Like, I I thought for sure you're going to give me like a never meet your heroes moment. Everything you think you know about him is wrong. He's the worst. But the fact that he's like (laughs) the most wonderful human being in the world, which I always suspected, just makes me so, so happy. That's fantastic. That's that's going to make my week just hearing that. (laughs) The other thing... The other thing that I really dig, dug about you, and it's actually how I came to discover you, was uh, quite recently when I uh, heard some folks in my own social circles talking about a video that you made on your Muse Formation YouTube channel. 
titled The Four Music Business Con Artists You Will Meet in 2020. And I, I really want to dig into this subject with mm-hmm. you because, look, it's something we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is mainly an audience, our audience's uh, independent musicians, is we talk about mm-hmm. the notion of the DIY musician being a myth. There is no do-it-yourself. You need to surround yourself with the right people. you got to find the right partners. You need to find mentors. You need to find people who can help move your career forward. But in an artist's zeal to find that right person, to connect with the right people and educational resources, you're it's sort of a minefield. There are a lot of folks out oh, there yeah. who might be offering you a bill of goods that just and, and just don't deliver on them. And as a lawyer, it's often my job to keep those people as far away from my music clients as possible. Mm-hmm. But so I, I was really happy to he- see your video and you being on this crusade to keep to, to sort of keep artists from these people as well. Talk a bit about what inspired you to make this video. So I have a forum on Facebook that has about 1,200 musicians who've come to my videos. And then as well, I'm just talking to musicians all day. And what happens is is even my friends who are really experienced, they're all bombarded by Facebook ads or that a lot of the YouTubers now are basically doing an upsell to have a course And the problem has become with these courses is it's not that, you know, it's that everyone's a con artist, but it's that 99% of them are selling advice that's so general that it's not helpful. And what I particularly discovered, because when people send me what they do, is that they're literally just ripping out and paraphrasing sections of my book and other people who've written the popular books on the music business. And they're taught to do this. You know, there's this book called Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson that basically tells people to profit and do this. And they use his software, ClickFunnels, where they use Facebook ads and they bring people into it and then they try to mentor them. And it sucks because it's never actionable enough advice that it's actually helpful. And like you were talking about that, you're encouraging mentorships. Mentorships are actual relationships you have with somebody where you can come to them, they can give advice, but these people write this blueprint and it neglects the fact that almost, I mean, the the funny thing I say in the video is that like, I've probably listened to a thousand podcasts or interviews or read them with professionals in music. And what's the first thing they say? There's no blueprint. And (laughs) it's because what works in metal does not work to promote a hyper pop act or a folk artist. And there's totally different routes. And yes, some of them share similarities, but really like the large uh, thick slicing that these guides give uh, just the biggest problem I also see. And I talked about this in an ad uh, in a uh, video I'd made before this about uh, how Facebook ads are the biggest lie in music promotion today is that the biggest problem actually is that whenever you team up with somebody in promotion, you think the problem solved. Our brains say, okay, well, I got that covered. I can focus on other things Mm. and it's not solved. The Facebook ads aren't going to do what they, with the, you think they're going to do. And these gurus are not going to solve the problem for you. So I got tired of seeing that. And I wanted to start to articulate why I think this is totally awful and toxic in the music community. Let's zero in more on these yep. these uh, gurus, these folks offering mm-hmm. the music entrepreneurship courses, these master classes, um, mm-hmm. and and that what we'll call a healthy skepticism of you have of these folks. And full disclosure, mm-hmm. 
in the course of doing 200 some on episodes of the Break the Business podcast, I've probably had a few folks on the show that if you went through their information, you would probably say that's somebody that I, I don't think highly of based on the things you said in the video. I don't know. But I would love to know in the future, like, what what should I be doing? What should other artists be doing to help them sort of develop a radar for this is a legitimate educational source versus this person is selling me the bill of goods? So, yeah. And, and to be honest with you, uh, the same. I've ha- podcasted and participated with people that I wish I didn't participate with that I read wrong or went on to do different things. Um, my first thing is usually this is like I talk about how to test these people. Now, my biggest thing is, is almost all of them I see don't last two years. So mm. the program should be vetted. They should have actual success stories that you can talk to. And then also, but not just success in that, like they did something like there's this weird thing, like somebody will be like, oh, well, I sell cardboard cutouts with a CD attached to it. And that's been making me uh, $5,000 a month. But it's really that they're like an art piece. They need to be successful in a way you want to be successful. So the first thing I ask when I do any uh, work with musicians, I was like, and you know, I shouldn't say this. It's the first thing almost every professional in the music business asks is, what do we see as success in the coming year? And that person who is selling the thing should be having the same thing. Now, I see a lot of people are like, sell music. When most people are like, I don't care if I sell music. I want to just have millions of streams on my YouTube video or things like that. The goal that they should be helping to make should not be dissimilar to what your actual goal is. Um, And then secondly, you know, if they're charging you $100 or $500 a year, whatever it is, and you're only getting uh, an hour with them, in a class where it's a zoom call where you get to ask three questions or if it's even just like 20 minutes of one-on-one i usually the people who are selling this are not worth that money and you could find someone better they're just the person who's turned up in your facebook feed in an ad i can i can understand that 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 makes a great deal of sense and i'll tell you what my conundrum is Mm -hmm. as an entertainment lawyer because Mm -hmm. there are artists that come to me and they want they want that advice. They want they want guidance, and often they will look. You know, if if they don't get it from somebody who's like consulting, you know, certain number, you know, dollars per hour, consult with me. I'm afraid they're going to get it from somebody saying that they're a music manager. Where it's not yeah. it's not pay me something. It's give me fifteen percent of everything you make for the rest of your life. And I'm going to sign you to this God awful contract where I own you. And as a lawyer, I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. if I have to choose between the artist, you know, signing their life away to some, you know, God awful exploitative manager or having them pay, you know, a couple hundred dollars, $150 for a couple hours of some person's time, I'd rather them, you know, pay the money up front. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm with you. You know, that's another, it's almost like a separate aside that like musicians don't see that the manager, um, like I've wrote a lot about it, this in my book, get more fans is that like one, you know, don't look at the manager the way Kanye looks at that. You could just bounce between them. Like you want to do a better job with, uh, the finding your first manager than most people do vetting their, their spouse. Um, because sunset causes, <laughs> And just, you know, like I've watched a lot of people, this kind of similar to what I was just saying is um, a lot of people put their faith that the manager hasn't taken care of. Like, I mean, 
if you talk to anybody who's worked at a big indie to a major label, they could tell you at least a dozen stories if they worked for one year of how many times the musician thought the manager had it handled, but really they were working on something else and not handling it. And that I would literally say is the cause of sinking more careers that had a lot of potential than I would probably say anything I've experienced in my 20 years in music. I'm glad you brought up marriages because I will say from a legal standpoint, I've seen marriages that are much easier to get out of than management deals. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Without a doubt. um, You know, I I wish that some management deals that I've had to do for artists were easier to get out of than, uh, than, than a marriage. But yeah, it's like, I I think it is important for artists to, to keep their guard up, to be wary of anything where it looks like a, a significant amount of financial commitment for not a lot of value. And, I, and I'll tell you, when, mm-hmm. when I do have these people on my podcast, I really do try to vet. I look for a lot of the ones that I, I will bring on are folks that I know very well, that mm-hmm. I know mentor a lot of art, artists that have a track record that have been doing this for a decade or more and are offering terms that are fair. And, mm-hmm. and so I think the same sort of tactics that I try to employ when looking for podcast guests to deliver to my indie artist listeners, those should be a lot of the same habits that artists should be looking at when uh, avoiding the music industry con artists. And another kind of con artist that you brought up in your video that uh, definitely avoided, I, I completely understood where you were coming from here, are these folks that come to artists promising that they'll boost their Spotify engagement, getting oh, yeah. them on playlists. Uh, talk about why artists should be wary of these people and what should they be wary of specifically in this area? So, so I just started, uh, I had just engaged with a bunch of the popular services that uh, did this. So I was like, okay, you know, if you say your service is good, how about I throw you three artists uh, and you show me that your service actually works to do it. And it, it, to a comedic degree, and I will have a video about this is yes, they got on lots of playlists, but I intentionally did this all with artists that had that little mark on Spotify that said less than 1000 plays. And after 30 (laughs) days, hmm, funny, none of them are above that thousand plays because it's bots or they just get added to a playlist and people get excited and nothing happens. Um, Whereas there is another side to this, which is like you could find all over YouTube, like some YouTuber be like, I paid $5,000 and we got 300,000 plays, but the plays disappear. They're often bots. They're never people who are actually uh, relevant to building an artist career. And what I tell every artist that actually matters is it's the same reason I don't like Facebook ads. And I made that video about it is that it's much more important to find where your community exists online because the people who matter are always avid music fans. So if you could find the right Facebook group, subreddit, discord chat, or whatever it is where people who are avid fans are actually talking about music if you get those people excited and put your time into that instead, that's how careers get built every day. Like one of my things I've done in my career in recent years is I was at Atlantic records where I would make podcasts often that we would use to sell new artists to potential teammates, get people excited about them in the business. And the origin story is never that they got a bunch of good Facebook ads. The origin story is consistently (laughs) that they found some people in their community. Now, whether that was a, a, really talented producer onto that. They just met some other artists. Like I think a lot about Porter Robinson and Maddie on meeting on a message board. And you hear that so often, and then they lift each other up and it comes in so many shapes and flavors, but the shapes and flavors that don't happen are Facebook ads, which the shapes and flavors there are is that you 
met people who are similar to you and then things happened and things clicked with people lifting each other up. Oh, that's, that's really poignant. And I will say that that does track with, uh, this, the backstory of a lot of my more successful clients is, Mm. you know, meeting real people, uh, meeting fans literally one at a time and, you know, starting small and, collaborating, getting, you know, getting into communities, joining songwriter collectives, things like that. I'm glad that mm-hmm. you brought up discord as a, uh, as an area where you're seeing artists experience a lot of growth. I've seen th- similar things. I've seen artists recently enjoying similar success, building communities in Twitch, uh, mm-hmm. and on TikTok, yep, absolutely. you know, a lot of these emerging platforms that are still small enough that it's not too saturated and, and, a, you know, an artist can really break in and have some success with organic growth. That means a lot more than just paying for a bunch of Spotify, you know, bot engagement that might make you feel good because the number goes up, but it's not going to do anything for you, but take money out of your pocket. Agreed. And, and I, I, you know, it really is just the thing that a lot of those things are seem like easy answers and they seem like it's a quick shortcut to the goal, but really like at the end of the day, I know everybody always talks about networking, but what's great is yes, you can network way easier from your couch now. And uh, that is the key to it. Yeah. All right. I want to keep that thread of networking for a second to, Mm -hmm. to transition to another area where I, I really am impressed by the work that you're doing. And I'd love to hear you kind of see how we can translate that experience to the indie artist listeners out there, which is podcasting. So in addition to everything mm-hmm. you've done on the music production side and the Muse Formation channel, you're, you're doing some really cool things in the podcasting space. You're the producer of the New Abnormal podcast with Molly Zhongfast and Rick Wilson. You host Atlantic Records Inside the Album, as well as the Noise Creators podcast. And you're the guy I want to talk to you right now, because for the last year or so, I've been on this crusade to try to get more musicians into podcasting. And to be fair, I've seen a few kind of prominent indie artists start to dabble in this space and do some really cool things. I've had some former podcast guests who are musicians who started their own shows, and I love it. And among the reasons why I think that artists should get into this space isn't just to promote fans, but also for networking. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think content networking is a really powerful thing. And so there's a lot of opportunity here. Can you talk about uh, whether you think that there's a lane for musicians to make podcasts and make strides doing it? Yeah. So my thought in general is that if you are a great conversationalist, like I often think of uh, Matt Healy from the 1975, who's probably the smartest musician in music these days at talking about any discussion you want. And he recently to promote their record after it came out during COVID, he decided to do a podcast series where he interviewed people like Brian Eno. And it was absolutely amazing, but that may not be your thing. So, but what some people are really good at. So like, for example, I did a Atlantic records inside the album podcast with this artist grandson, who's a massively big artist, but you may not know him. If you're not hearing his genre, his genre is kind of like rage against the machine meets EDM meets 21 pilots it's 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 Sounds fuzzy like a party but, um yeah he's amazing but he what i will also say is he is possibly one of the most gifted conversationalists so he's not only a great podcast guest but he's done that figure out what your lane is maybe you're really good at talking about one subject but if you're really good at talking about one subject, find somebody else's and then what you can do is you can reverse engineer this on the apple podcast app which is you can go into uh, iTunes-Apple Podcasts and you 
search the guests that's similar to you and you can see all the podcasts they've been on and you can pitch yourself and say, hey, I'm really good at talking about this. Go for that. What I think most musicians are actually good at that is even better than podcasts right now, especially during this lockdown period, is to try to find the artists you're similar to. Like I talk a lot about this community thing. So let's say you find an artist, you're like, hey, we play really similar music. I really like this person. Uh, announce to your mutual audiences that you're going to go on Instagram live. Both your fans will get notified and you'll introduce each other to potential fans that have heard of somebody else that's similar to you. Doing that every once in a while is a great, great, great way of doing it without all the commitment of getting down at the podcast thing and having to do it regularly. Because the other thing about podcasts is if you're not doing them consistently with a high quality these days, they don't really cut through. That's true. It, it is a commitment. It's not something like, because you know, I've seen a lot of artists who will get into the live streaming space and maybe they don't do it consistently although really they should, but you know, it's just whenever they feel like live streaming, but podcasting Stop. is something where you really have to put out a consistent product because once, once your audience discovers you, they're going to expect to be able to set their watch to your content. You know, that, that sort of consistency is critical in the podcasting space. But I think if you're an artist and, and as, a, as our guests noted, if you're a great conversationalist, if you love talking to people, I'm excited by the potential that this medium proposes to artists, uh, particularly even on this networking side. You spoke about networking earlier. Mm -hmm. I had an artist uh, talk to me and said, because uh, I was talking, I was trying to hype them up on podcasting because I thought they were a great talker. And they said, uh, you know, why would I start a podcast? I'm, a, I'm an indie artist who knows nothing. You know, I just started making music. I know nothing about the music business. And I was like, oh my God, you should start a podcast about being an indie artist who doesn't know anything about the music business. Yeah. And you can have these same experts on who are charging you 500 bucks, have them on <laughs> your show each week for free and get free advice from them and build your that's networking great. contacts. Like that's a, that's a great, even if nobody listens to your podcast, the, the value you're getting in building those relationships cannot be calculated. I, 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 that is a fantastic, fantastic point. <laughs> and I, I think that's the other piece of this too, that I try to impart to uh, artists when it comes to the networking value of podcasts or just the, the collaborative value of podcasts, you know, the, the audience numbers, especially when you're first starting out, aren't, aren't going to be amazing unless you've already have a built-in following from your work as a musician that will follow you to your podcast. But even you know, don't be discouraged by those early numbers because if you stay with it and you're consistent, the uh, the networking and and just the the engagement you build in the meantime is going to make it very much worth your time. And hey, you have the recording equipment anyway, right? You're a musician. <laughs> this is a great point that I do think a lot of the value in this is uh, who's each other's audiences you get introduced to, even if the numbers are not big, and that you now have a relationship with that person. Oh. That's a great point. You know, this has been a really awesome conversation. And I, and I feel like I'd be doing my listeners a disservice if we didn't just take a moment and go over again all the different ways that you're making great informational content for all the music creators that are listening right now. Can you sort of uh, run the listeners through where they can find some of your stuff? Sure. So uh, jessecannon.com has everything I do, but um, getmorefansbook.com is uh, my book on the music business. It's now in its eighth edition. It's taught at a dozen universities. And it's a book about how all the techniques to build yourself up from scratch with with no fan base. And uh, it's based on some artists that I broke as a manager. 
Uh, I have another book called Processing Creativity that you can find uh, that's on creativity in music and where it fails artists and how do you look at creativity and be better at it. Uh, and then Museformation is my YouTube channel where I mostly make videos about how to take yourself from zero to 10,000 fans. And the, the, ten, the first 10,000 are the hardest to earn. So that's yep. valuable information indeed. Again, the good central hub to find a lot of this stuff, listeners, www.jessecannon.com. Jesse, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this too. <laughs> Before we let you go, uh, one last question. We, we ask it to all the guests, and I'm particularly excited for your answer. Do you have any last tips uh, for the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? So I guess like I am full, uh, full of that in that my channel focuses on that. So I have a playlist that is how to take yourself from zero to 10,000 fans. But my big thing right now is that there's a few pegs to this. Like one, we talked a lot about community, so I don't want to go down that again. But, you know, the other thing is, is obviously algorithms uh, really do open up a lot of doors right now. And so many people make the mistakes by not learning the little things that the algorithms do. So I have tons of videos in that playlist about how to feed YouTube and Spotify properly. But I also have tons of things on the other thing that I think really is breaking a lot of artists is how to find your personality on social media. So I make tons of videos about what goes into finding your authentic personality that's going to work for you on social media. Since I think so many people get it wrong about how to develop that and then you just do an imitation that's not them when really they could focus on something that's much more at home within themselves to make on social media so to promote their music around. It's one of the blessings of the indie artist revolution in removing all the middle entities, all the labels and publishers and, and mm -hmm. creating a closer relationship between creators and fans is that the fans really crave that authenticity. And I think the artists who miss that and still try to put themselves out there as if they're this untouchable artist and you never really get to know who I am are missing the point of a lot of these platforms, including social media. So I'm glad that you brought it back to that authenticity element. That's excellent. Uh, couldn't agree more. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.jessiecannon.com and check out youtube.com slash museformation as well. That's M-U-S-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N. You got to check out this four music business con artists you will meet in 2020 video that our guest put out. Jesse, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Really was enjoyable. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.